Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today, we are going to study the book of Haggai. That is Haggai, chapter 2, that's Parak Bayes. Uh, yesterday, we studied, of course, Parak Aleph and the first chapter. And we learned how the people of Israel who had returned to the land of Israel in order to rebuild the temple at the behest of Cyrus the Great, attempted to start building the temple, but ended up um, uh, incapable of doing it. Uh, There's many obstacles, and uh, approximately a generation went by with the people living there until Cyrus's uh, successor, uh, uh, Darius I, and during the times of Darius I, the events of Haggai took place. And Haggai, the prophet, was instrumental in convincing the people and, and encouraging them to finally start building, to start actually the building of the second temple. And remember, in last chapter, the people were unwilling to start. The economy was terrible. There was a terrible drought. Uh, there was, and as we learned from the other books, um, which we're going to study together, um, Later, from the books of Ezra, we learned there was a lot of opposition from the other uh, ethnicities that lived in the land of Israel at the time. And it was therefore extremely difficult for them to start. But Haggai inspired them to start building. So they started building, and we learned that that the, the gathering together, the items for the building, began on the 24th day of the month of Elul, in the second year of Darius's reign. Now... This chapter starts Bashvi'i in the seventh month, so that's, that's the month of Tishrei, on the 21st day of the month. So this is the last day of the holiday of Sukkot, and it would seem that until this point they had been building. So unfortunately they hadn't gotten the temple up in time for Rosh Hashanah for the first day, a uh, major holiday of the year. They hadn't gotten it up in time for Yom Kippur, um, or for the beginning of the holiday of Sukkot, all of which occurred during the seventh month of Tishrei. But by the last day of Sukkot, the word of God was in the hand of, in other words, God had spoken these words to the prophet Haggai as follows, to say as follows, I want you to speak El Zerubavel ben Shaltiel to Zerubavel, the son of Shaltiel. We learned before that Zerubavel was now the political leader of the Jewish people. He was a direct descendant of King David, and he was Pachat Yehuda. He was the governor of the of the of Judea, of the land of Judea, which was now a very small, relatively insignificant province in the vast Persian Empire. But he was the leader, and he was allowed to be the leader, appointed as a leader by by Darius, and as long of. As of course he remained loyal and did not declare himself king, um, he would pro- he would be safe and supported by the Persian Empire. If he would declare himself king, obviously that would be considered a rebellion. We'll see why that's important. The El Yoshua ben Yotzadak. I also want you to speak these words of prophecy to Yoshua, Joshua, the son of Yotzadak, who was Hakohen Agadol. He was the high priest. So there was the political leader. Zerubbabel and the religious leader Yehoshua, and by all accounts, they are righteous and and respected leaders trying to um, rebuild a nation, 
and the temple under extremely difficult circumstances. And also direct this message not just to the leadership, but to the entire nation that is there um, in Jerusalem living through this extraordinary and difficult time. How many among you Hanishar that are remain here that has seen this temple, this house when it was in its original honor and glory. In other words, how many are there among you who have seen this house last time, the first temple? This was by now approximately 70 years uh, between the destruction of the temple and the return uh, of the Jews to Israel what happened at the time of Cyrus, plus another 20 years occurred since then. So conceivably there would have been, and we know from the books of Ezra and other places, that there were elderly people who remembered the original temple and had lamented the fact that this current building was, was, was nothing. It was, it was tiny. It was embarrassing almost in comparison to the original one. It was nothing what the people had dreamed of. But by now, 20 years later, there's basically who's left. There's nobody left, Haggai is saying. So, um, and you guys, those of you that remember the original one, and including all of you who see this now, what do you see now in front of you? It must look like nothing in your eyes. So if there is anyone left to compare to the original and the grandeur of the original, then you see that the one that we're building now is unfortunately so sad and so difficult. The people are impoverished. They don't have the materials. They don't have the, the uh, funds to, or, or the population to build. And even those of you who didn't see the original, you're imagining this grand building and look at what you're seeing. Even without comparing it, it's just unfortunately a, a, a very difficult sight. The Atta, however, now, um, verse 4, Chazak Zerubavel. Zerubavel, you as the leader, I want you to be strong, Noam Adonai. This is what God says. Vachazak Yehoshua ben And you, Yehoshua, you the, the high priest, I want you to be strong. Don't look at this and get depressed. But look at this and be strengthened. Vachazak, and now I'm looking towards the Kolhamar, it's all of the people, no Madonai. Be strong, everyone, be strong, says God. Asu, I need you to do, I need you to work, I need you to build. I know this looks depressing, this looks like nothing, but this is what you can do. This is the extent of what you can do, and you're doing the best you can under the difficult circumstances. And why should you be strong when everything around you is so sad? The, the, the building looks like nothing. The, the, Zerubbabel is only a governor and, and at the behest of, of Darius, the Judah is nothing. The political, it's a tiny little vassal state in this vast, powerful kingdom. The high priest has, has hardly anything uh, to show for his efforts in rebuilding the temple and leading the priests. But ki ani itchem, because God says, I am with you. This is why you should be strong, because I am with you. Noam Adonai oh, so says the Lord God. Sometimes in our lives we put in so much effort and so much effort and so much effort, and what do we see for it? We were hoping to build this grand building. We were hoping to make this huge business successful. We were hoping to take on this great big project, and then after we look at it, what do we see? It looks like nothing what we imagine, nothing what we hope for. 
However, God says when you're doing it, when you put all your effort in it, chazak, 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 three times, be strong, be strong, be strong. Keep working because ki ani etchem, because I am with you, God says. Es asher karati etchem, the biggest worry that the people had is maybe God is no longer with the Jewish people. Maybe God is no longer with our mission. Maybe he's abandoned us. We thought, we hoped when Cyrus said we can come back that this was the grand redemption that we were all looking for, this great redemption that the prophets were predicting and, and talking about. And what did we come back to this impoverished, poor nothing? So maybe God abandoned us, maybe he left us. No, God says, that agreement that I, and that covenant that I made with you, when you left Egypt, comparing to Egypt with all of the grand and wonderful miracles, but the, the same agreement I made with you then, and my spirit is still standing within you. I am still there. I am still there. You might, you're not going to see me in grandiose miracles now. You're going to see me in the strength in your own heart, in your own heart. See like we learned in the last parak. Remember to look, keep in your heart. Remember to pay attention to what you're doing. God says, do not be afraid. I am still with you. I am still there. Put your heart into it and you will be successful. This is verse 6. Because so says the Lord God. The Lord of Hosts, od achas ma'ati. Very, very soon, in this short, short amount of time, you will see va'animar ish et hashemayim oaretz. I am going to shake up the heavens and the earth, betayom yetacharava, and the all the seas and all of the dry land, the entire planet. I am going to shake it up. Virashdiat kolagoyim. I am going to shake and awaken all of the nations of the world. Remember the visions of Isaiah. The visions of Isaiah. All of the nations of the world will come and turn to this temple, to this place. And all of them in a unified uh, effort with the unity of purpose are going to get together and and work together. And then and then this house will be filled with honor. So says the Lord God. This house will be filled with honor of the entire world. And you won't have a problem with how much money you have to build it or how much resources because the whole world will, be, will, will put their resources into building this temple. God says, I am the one who, who has control over all of the silver and all of the gold in the world. I can make sure that this will be funded properly and this, this grand building and and but it will be when 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 I wake awaken the entire world. God says it's going to be soon. It's going to be soon. Don't worry. The honor and greatness of this house will be much greater than the first one. Says the Lord God. And this place attain shalom. I am going to put peace. Says the Lord God. This is so crucial and so important because so many of the commentaries ask and understand and you find throughout the Talmud the discussion, what do you mean this, this house will be greater than the first one? For the hundreds of years, this house was by far nowhere near the glory of the first temple. Later, one could argue that in the time of Herod, it was rebuilt on a grand status and, and in terms of a building, it was one of the most grand buildings of the world until it was destroyed by the Romans. But what do you mean, Gadol Yeh? So some, some of the rabbis suggest that it means that this house will last longer 
than the first one. Some suggest that actually this prophecy is not about the second temple, but about the third temple off in the future, like the Abarabanel takes that approach. There's many different approaches, but I'd like to read these words really carefully and see what Haggai is telling us. And um, it's again kind of based on the Malbim who tells us that prophecies, uh, who emphasizes something that we've seen so many times, the prophecy of Haggai is what could be if we put our heart to it. God said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Chazak, be strong. If we put our heart to it and we make sure that we put it completely into it and we build it, then God will w- awaken the entire world and then this building, this second temple, will be the one to which the entire world comes and works together, right? And 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 builds it, and then it will be Why will it be greater? Not because it will be a bigger building, verse as it says in verse nine. Not, not even because it would be a building that lasts a long time. Not because it will be more grand. There'll be more gold and more silver. But why? Because shalom. Why are we even asking the kasha? Haggai himself gives us the. The tarots. Why are we asking the question if the prophet himself tells us the answer? What does it mean, Gadoliyeh? Because God says this is the place where there will be peace. When the entire world gets together, when you recognize that this temple is not just for you, but it is for the world, then 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 the greatness of this house will be greater. Unfortunately, the people didn't recognize that. Why was the second temple destroyed? The rabbis teach us because of sinat chinam, because of hatred. People didn't get along with each other. They didn't, the people didn't merit in the end. Now they're building it and now they're maybe putting themselves together. But in, unfortunately, this prophecy did not come true, not because it wasn't supposed to come true, but because we did not be peaceful. Haggai, the words of the prophet are clear. They're looking right at us. The question doesn't even start. Haggai answers the question right away. The question of what do you mean this house is going to be great? Well, I'll tell you why. Because this is the prediction. It can be better. It should be better. It would have been better. It could have been better. But it isn't. And it wasn't because we didn't do what we were supposed to do. God says, don't worry about the money. Don't worry about, yeah, of course I want you to build. But don't worry about all that. Worry about shalom. Worry about peace. Let's continue to verse 10. And now we move on to an, a special day. On the 24th day of the ninth month, this is the day before what we call nowadays Hanukkah. The 24th day of the month, the ninth month is of Kislev. This is the day before Hanukkah. This is the day before the second temple was dedicated. We tend to think of Hanukkah in terms of what happened about 300 years later in the times of the Greeks when the Greeks uh, um, defiled the temple and it was rededicated on the 25th day of Kislev. The reason why it was rededicated on the 25th day of Kislev is because that was a special day, because it was the 25th day of Kislev, the 300 years before the second temple was built. This is the origin, the true origin of the holiday of Hanukkah. But right now, in the second year of Darius's reign, the word of God to Haggai the prophet was as follows. Now what we're about to learn is one of the most one of the strangest and most unusual prophecies. After giving this grand prophecy about the whole world coming to the temple and the whole world building the temple and peace among all of the nations of the world and so on, he asks a halachic question, a very technical, detailed question. 
For those of you that are familiar with the halacha, with the Jewish law, we know this is highly technical and often it gets into nitty-gritty details of how I'm supposed to do this, how I'm supposed to do that. And when one talks about the laws of the holy service in the temple, it gets even more detailed. What's considered holy, what's considered tameh, what's considered profane, what are you allowed to do, what are you not allowed to do. So there are two major ways, there are many, many understandings of what we're about to read. I'm going to read this first, and I, I'm going to introduce right now the idea that I believe we should, we should get from, from this prophecy that I think comes straight from the words of Haggai, and there are two very different approaches. Now, I'm going to state now that there are many, many different commentaries, many different explanations. I'm going to basically choose two potential ones. One is the approach of Rashi, right? And I'm gonna, and the other is the approach of the Evan Ezra. And the two approaches reflect very much the two different approaches that dominated and continue to dominate Judaism until this day. So first, let's do this with the approach of Rashi. And this is fundamental to how we view the purpose and point of halacha in general and how we approach halacha, which is Jewish law, and how it, it affects our spirituality. So let's look at this first through the eyes of Rashi. Ko amar Adonai Tzvahos, this is verse 11, so says the word God of hosts, I want you to ask the priests that are here a Torah question. This is the day before the temple is about to be built. They need to know the halachot. They need to know the laws. Let's see. Ask the priests these laws. If a person is carrying holy meat, presumably this means meat that is hagdash, meat that is consecrated to the temple. He's holding it carrying it in the corners of his garment. So it's folded into his garment. And he touches with his, the corner of his garment. In other words, it, presumably this means the meat itself does not touch, but his garment touches bread, or some kind of um, bean stew, or wine, or oil, or any other kind of food. Does that food become holy as well? And the Kohanim, the priests answered, and they said, no, it does not. So that was halachic question number one. And then Chagai continued and asked the second halachic question. If a person who is impure because he was defiled by touching a corpse, a dead body, if he touches any of this food, does that food become impure? And thus, not allowed to be brought <coughs> in contact with the temple. And the priests entered, and they said that yes, it does become tame, it does become impure. So the Rashi, in uh, using some of the opinions that are mentioned in the Talmud, assumes that the Kohanim were mistaken in at least one of their answers to these questions. It's not important right now, I don't think, to go to, in the nitty gritty detail. The Talmud spends pages on this as to exactly what the questions were and were the answers correct or the incorrect, but assuming for the moment that the answers were incorrect. So then, and, and that is the approach that Rashi takes, so Haggai has just demonstrated that the Kohan and the priests are not halachically ready. They don't know the laws. And they, they're not going to be able to successfully and properly do the service in the Beit HaMikdash, in the temple, Vayan Haggai. And Haggai answered, Vayomer, and he said, Kein ha'om hazeh, 
so too is this nation. Because you guys are making a mistake, Rashi says. Just like you're making a mistake, so too you're going to make a mistake everywhere else. This is how this entire nation is. They don't know the laws. They don't know the Torah. Says God before me. God says that I'm looking at this nation and I see a nation that has, they haven't been learning halachot. They haven't been learning the rules. This is how they do everything. They're not being careful in what they're doing. They're not taking care to do it the proper way, the way I taught them. That the, and what's going to end up is the things that they bring in the temple are going to be impure. They're not going to do it right. So therefore, Haggai is instructing them. Verse 15, I want you to put your heart into what you're doing. In other words, study the rules, study the Torah, from today on. You have a lot of work to do. You need to study, you need to learn. Before you start piling up bricks and building the walls, remember to learn the Torah in order to give special value to what you're doing. This isn't just a building. This is God's house and God gave you a set of rules. You need to learn the rules. You need to know how to do it properly. Because you're wondering now, right? When you, um, before you were worried that when you came to bundles of, of, of grain that were 20 bundles, and you lost 10 and all you ended up is with 10, either that's to, to animals eating it or the wind or it's drying up or it's rotting. You come to the vat of wine because you want to take off 50 measures of wine. In the end, what do you get is 20. In case you had the phone, I struck you with um with with uh, blight of the plants of Yerakon and rot of Abarad and hail. To everything that you do, it, it, it just wasn't working. Remember, there was a drought. There was there was a terrible depression. Because you did not come back to me, says God. You kept on going to your own houses. You kept on doing your own thing. So therefore, I want you to put your heart in I want you to think about what you're doing. And what does that mean? Learn the halachot specifically for what you need to do. From the 24th day, um, from the day when we put the foundation down for God's house, I want you to pay attention. I want you to do it right. I want you to study. I want you to learn. You need to know how to do it. You need to know the rules I'm teaching you. Ha'od hazera ba'megura While it is true that the seeds in the granary and the wine and the dates and the figs and the pomegranates and the olives that have not yet grown, that have not yet grown forth, God says, from today on, because you are going to be careful, you are going to study, I will bless it. This is the reading of Rashi, the beautiful reading of Rashi in this understanding. That the per- and Rashi is looking, well, how, do, well, how does halacha work? How does Jewish law work? Rashi is taking a, a, a spiritual, uh, what is sometimes called a, a little bit of a mystical approach, right? The way you contribute holiness to the actions that you're doing is by doing it the way God instructed us to do it. He gave us halachot, He gave us the laws, He gave us the rules. And He told us, this is how it's done. I want you to pay attention. I want you to study them. I want you to do it the right way. Now I'm going to go back and and study and they say this the Evan Ezra's way, which is somewhat which which takes the laws um, 
and and takes and and finds meaning and finds the ta'ameh mitzvah and finds the meaning in the behind the rules. The Kohanim, according to the Avon Ezra, were not making a mistake. Now I'm going to go back to verse uh, ten really quick and read this again. Be'asrim biarba on the twenty fourth day. Again, the twenty fourth day of Kislev, the day before Hanukkah. In the second year of Darius' reign, the word of God to the, the prophet was as follows. Ask the Kohanim, ask the priests words of Torah. And then again he says the first one in verse 12, the first question was, if a person is carrying Basar Kodesh, holy, holy meat, uh, in, his, in his garment, and it touches other clothing, and they asked Hayik Dosh, does that become holy? Does the holiness spread to something else? And this is important, pay attention. And the priest answered, and they said, no, it does not become holy. The holiness does not spread. The second question, if a person who is impure touches these things, does it become impure? And the priest answered and said, yes, it does become Tameh. It does become impure. Mm-hmm. Now, what is the purpose of this here now? The the um, the 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 Evan Ezra, for many reasons, and he writes and explains, and other commentaries as well, take the approach that this is not a mistake. The Kohanim were answering that holiness does not spread when you take a piece of meat, and 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 and. And it's in clothing in which touches something else. Holiness does not spread when when the meat touches some other food via a cloak. It's possible if you mix meat with other food that that other food will be considered hegdish as if it becomes mixed directly. But holiness doesn't just spread. It doesn't just touch and and, and keep going. And and on the flip side, impurity to nefesh. If a person is impure and he touches something then it does spread the impurity. Now the Ebn Ezra in the tradition that he was part of, which is a more, I guess we often call them the rationalistic school of, of Rishonim, of early, of early Jewish philosophers and, and authorities, of course led often by Maimonides, looks at halachot like this, and Maimonides has entire sections of his book, Guide to the Perplexed, to find meaning behind these halachot, not just in Rashi's approach, the meaning was you need to study the halachot to do this the way God instructed you to do it because that itself, following the rules that God explained to us, makes the building holy. Without explaining why, without explaining what it is that we learn from the halacha, Rashi didn't go that extra step and say, not that, that Rashi and his school never look at reasons for mitzvot, but however, Rashi didn't need to go look for reasons for mitzvot. The Torah tells us this is the rule, this is the law. We need to study and do it the way God told us in order that this building will be holy according to the law. Evan Ezra takes, says, doesn't, do, doesn't look at this as a mistake and therefore a criticism of the Kohanim for not uh, following, um, following the rules or knowing the rules well enough. He says that they were actually correct. The Kohanim said, holiness does not spread through that root. But tumma, impurity, which represents sin and bad and evil, does spread through touching. And what's the lesson? Let's keep reading. 
Vayan Chagai, after Chagai heard their answers, Vayomer, he said, Kain Ha'amaseh, yes, this is the way this nation is, V'chein Ha'goya said, this is the way this, this people works, L'fanai in front of me, no matter, it says God, this is how it works, V'chein Kol Ma'aseh, this is how it works in everything that they do, and that is, is that holiness doesn't spread easily, in order to be holy, one needs to be pure, in order to be holy, one needs to work on it. One needs to become pure on their own. One needs to purify themselves. It doesn't happen just by touching, just by contaminating, just by, by spreading holiness. That's not how holiness works. Kodesh does not spread that way. Tuma, on the other hand, that which they are going to bring in the Beit HaMikdash is going to be Tomei because they haven't yet purified their hearts. Because impurity spreads very easily. Sin spreads easily. Contamination spreads easily. When someone exposes themselves and someone allows themselves to be touched by evil, to be touched by contamination, it spreads right away. It spreads easily. This is how the Evan Ezra finds meaning in the halacha and then applies it and says, this is the message of Haggai, which is why he says in verse 15, Now I want you to pay attention. Because you need to understand, you need to be careful, you need to understand, before you start building a building, you need to pay attention to how do you keep a building holy. Because remember, I know you, you are so worried, you're so nervous, because you, you've been building for the last few months, remember ever since the month of Elul, you've been building, it's several months now, and you haven't yet seen that blessing in what you're doing. Right, because because you tried to get to get twenty bundles and instead you get ten and went to the wine you thought you get fifty and you ended up with twenty and he phone and I struck you with all of these all of these terrible um um uh, um uh, blights and and hail and so on and rotting um, uh, everything that you're doing how do you find blessing in what you're doing but you are not with me I need you to be with me I need you to be pure I need you to come back to me so says the Lord God if you want purity look at that parable I gave you I told you the halacha why because I want you to look at the halacha and think about what it means Think about purity. Think about how to be pure. You need to purify yourselves. If simu God says in 18, if you put your heart into it, from today on, from the 24th of the ninth month, not like you did from the 24th day of, of Elul several months ago, but if you, from today on, from the day you lay the foundation, simu you pay attention to what you're doing and you purify yourselves, then you will be holy, and then ha'od hazera b'amagura v'yaragefen v'ateinu v'yarimun v'etzayit lo nasa. And those things that have not borne fruit yet, menayom azef from now on avarech, I will bless. So that would be the approach of the Yevon Ezra, and those that look at the halacha and and take the deeper meaning behind it, and then apply that to the lesson and apply that the meaning of the parable. These are, these are two approaches to this. This, this uh, prophecy of Haggai, two approaches to how we look at halacha and the meaning of halacha, both beautiful, both wonderful, and both ways for us to learn lessons from that. So now, 
the word the words of Chagai are going to end. Let's finish the the chapter of Chagai in this beautiful way. It was again the word of God, again a second time on the twenty fourth of the month, as follows. I want you to speak to Zerubbabel, the Pachat, who is the governor of Judah, as follows. Ani marishet hashemayim v'aretz. I will shake up the shemayim and the aretz. When, why, if you purify yourselves like we just discussed before, I will bring. The, don't worry. You do what you have to do, and I will make sure the heavens and the earth shake. I will change all of the rulership of the world. You're so worried now that you're just a little tiny vassal in the Persian Empire and you're not the mighty king of Judea like like, like you'd hopefully want to be. But no, the strength of the kingdom of all of those other nations that rule over you, that are oppressive, that are, that are idol worshippers, I can flip over all of the armies and chariots of the enemies. We are Dusus and and the horses and the riders will they will go down. I can take care of those. They can all they can all fight against each other and let you live in peace. However, Bayomahu on that day, what's whenever and this is something I've emphasized over and over again. Throughout the words of the prophets, whenever it says on that day, it means on that ultimate day in the future when this peace is achieved, when this vision is achieved. Haggai is now clearly looking off into the future and saying, it, that day, then, then God, the Lord God says, then I will take you, Zerubbabel ben Shaltiel Avdi, you my servant, Zerubbabel, says God, that is when I will make you as a signet ring. That is when because I have chosen you, So says Lord God. The big question here that everyone asks is what do you mean? Zubavel never became the, the Messiah, he never became the king. But God is clearly saying this is one the only time that God specifically takes a living person and says, I have chosen you. And by Omahu on that day, which day? The day that you do everything that I am saying. People ask the question, but Zerubbabel never became the Messiah. Well, that's because we never did what was necessary to be done in order to make Zerubbabel the one. God says, I'm here, I'm ready, I'll do it, you can have it. But the people did not live up to it, unfortunately. And this, with this message, Haggai ends. With so much hope, so much potential, so much possibility, the people... Unfortunately, there was a mixed response. There was building, there was moving forward, but not enough to make this prophecy come true, unfortunately. So we're still waiting for that Bayomahu, that one day when we all together bring shalom, peace, as Chagai said, and we all together bring full dedication, complete dedication, Kodesh instead of Tameh. These are the words of Chagai. Thank you so much for studying the prophet Chagai together. Looking forward to studying the next prophet, Zechariah, together, Zechariah, and of course, all of the books of the prophets. Mm -hmm.